hey, my name is Chris Jensen, and this is a special series of my life, and welcome to it, called It's Not About Me, It's About Us, where I interview my friends one at a time to talk about things we know about each other, how we met, common experiences, new things, and basically how we are living through this time period with, uh, with the coronavirus disease. So sit back and enjoy as you listen to this episode's interview. Hey, Francis. Hey, Chris. Oh, it is so good to see you. Good to see you too, man. It's been a while since you brought that care package over. <laughs> it's only been about a week. It's time. Time's got a weird, a weird way right now. Where you know, a day could seem like a week, and vice versa. Has it only been a week? How do we define a friend? I don't know. It's a good question. I just thought of that myself. I've never really pondered that. So, most of my friends, I'd say. You know, 99.9% of them are people that I have chosen, you know, to be my friend. Uh, you know, I meet them and we, we hit it off and we become friends. But then it's, I've realized that sometimes, even though we choose our friends, they sometimes come at us indirectly. And that's the case with... Francis. My daughter fell in love with Francis. He fell in love with her. They've decided to become engaged. And for me, it's now a decision as to how I'm going to relate to Francis. And as I've gotten to know him, um, I am just so happy that we are friends. I am so happy that uh, I like him. We get along. He's the kind of person I like hanging out with. Um, and it's uh, it's just a delight for him to be a part of my life and for me to be a part of his. Um, little did I know, but I knew his sister from back in the day when we used to go to the Rubicon. Um, yeah, back in the late 80s, 90s. So that that's always interesting when there's those kinds of connections. So it is with great pleasure and delight that I get to introduce you, my listening friends, to my future son-in-law, Francis McGuire. I think I think we dropped that package off about a week ago. Maybe, maybe it's been a little longer again. I don't know. Time's kind yeah, of yeah. Time it's weird. I, you wake up yeah. and think to yourself, "What day it is?" That's what? every day. I'm like, "Is today Tuesday?" I'm like, "No." It's- <laughs> <laughs> oh my! So um, I'm gonna, you know, um, introduce you to the listeners. You're uh, you're my daughter's fiance, my future son-in-law, and I'm looking forward to that. That's pretty awesome. Um, that makes me smile hard, makes my cheeks hurt. I smile so hard. Um, and that's why it's so wonderful to, to chat with you. So how you, how you, um, how you holding up under all this? 
I'm doing great. I'm uh, for someone who considers themselves a, a introverted extrovert. I, you know, I'm, I'm my between my job and just my na- natural personality and everything. I'm pretty outgoing, but uh, having limited connection and ability to communicate with people and stuff like that, I, I thought was going to be a little harder for me. But I'm actually finding some. Solitude's very welcoming and and just enjoyable, and I've been getting outside and exercising and trying to keep my you know my health and my mind healthy so that I could you know just be ready for it. And yeah, I feel I feel really good actually. Surprisingly, good, good. Yeah, you look great. Thank you. Yeah. So, do you have any? I know that um, you and Madrone go out biking. Oh, yeah. We got a good schedule right now. We're going out at least four or five times a week. We're doing about an hour and a half ride. It's about 30 miles, give or take. But we, we take our time with it. And, you know, it's the South River Road. So it's a beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. Scene. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's really nice. So. Oh, that's beautiful. Full advantage of that. The the bike trails and the parks and, you know, everything that are normally pretty quiet areas have become extremely more active lately, which is, you know which is good and bad. There's pros and cons to everything, but you know, it's nice to see families out on the bike trail and stuff. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, of family, how's your family doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. Mom's definitely on lockdown since she's living in a senior home. So, you know, that's the most, uh, susceptible right now that we have to really make sure that they don't get sick. So she's, right. she's on straight lockdown. I couldn't even, I went to deliver a package to her last week and, they wouldn't even let me see her. <laughs> oh, that's hard. Drop, drop off the package in the garage and, and turn around and leave. <laughs> oh. It's okay, though. I, I, I would rather that, you know, in protecting protecting sure. my family and stuff. You know, I, I get it. Yeah. It, it is kind of hard, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that is, that's hard. I know that um, when you guys came by that one time to drop off a little care package, I so much wanted to hug both you and, and, and Madrone and... Yeah. just couldn't do it i mean it just it's a, it didn't an and it felt social, unnatural you know yeah it's an interesting social observation right now and normally you know especially if you are the kind of affectionate person who likes to hug as an introduction it's it's hard right now because you still need to go to the grocery store you're still inevitably going to run into people that you know but everybody where normally you'd be like hey what's up high five or hug or something and now it's like you see each other from across the room and everyone just stops dead in their tracks right like don't come <laughs> any like, closer hey, yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, I, you know, one of the, this happened yesterday, and so it's real fresh in my mind. And I had a, I was talking to a buddy of mine this morning. We have we have coffee every Wednesday. We, well, before this happened, we would always get together on Wednesdays for coffee and just to visit, right? Yeah. And, you know, he med, he mentioned something to the fact that, you know, he's very sad that we're going to have to stop meeting. And I said, we don't have to stop. You know, we can still have coffee on Wednesdays. We just can't do it in the same space. So, yeah, so we Skype, we Skype, and we just talk and have coffee and just, like, keep going. That's really cool, and and it's smart because it's one of the ways when you are living in, you know, isolation sounds dramatic right now, but when you're definitely quarantined off from having, you know, physical contact with other people, it's important to keep the conversation and the stimulation that you get, you know, through conversation and stuff like that. You could still have that, you know. Oh, absolutely. I've talked to more people, you know, friends from the East Coast and from Hawaii and, you know, different chapters of my life where, you know, people have a little bit more time right now. So phone calls, I've gotten more phone calls in the last week than I have in the last six months, you know, just from friends who are like checking in, just saying hi, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's one of the, that's one of the, you know, there's always these little bright spots in the midst of this uh, this crisis, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of them that people are learning to reach out and and oftentimes reconnect with people. Um, yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's a phenomenal time that as a as humanity is reaching out to one another to just check in. How you doing? Do you need anything? Watching out for each other. It's um, kind of kind of ironic and interesting though how you know in any given day of the week six months ago where you're just going through your daily you know your daily rituals in life getting your coffee going to work going to the gym whatever it is you do and yet sometimes a little bit more isolated then than you would be if you're on quarantine and it focus it it forces you to kind of not forces you but it gives you the opportunity to actually think about you know, things that really matter, people that really matter, relationships that are important to you, and to, like, reach out that way, you know, it, right. you actually tune in a little bit more that way. So it's... It is it's a bit a, of an irony, isn't it? You know, sometimes I I remember I, I heard a phrase about people being alone in a crowd. Yeah. You know? And here we're, we're, we're isolated, but we're finding ways to not really be alone, which is pretty yeah. cool. But anyway, yeah. I, the whole lead-up was that yesterday I was out walking, and you know, I live in the part of Sacramento that's pretty quiet anyway. Um, there were no cars, there were no people, and all of a sudden there's this person walking towards me, same side of the street, and my first thought was, should I cross the street? Because all of a sudden I saw that person as a, as potentially dangerous, that they could, you know, either, or that I could be dangerous, either one of us, you know, um, which was a, a weird thought and not something that, is normal for my mind, but it just went because of all this concern is, you know, we might be, we might be carriers and we might have it and not know it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I've got what's called a comorbidity. And that means I have an underlying, uh, physical, um, situation that could make me more vulnerable. I have, I was diagnosed with asthma. So I have a little bronchial asthma, which uh, makes me a little bit more vulnerable, um, and so I'm just my consciousness, my 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 radar has become heightened for you know situations where I might find myself vulnerable. Just try to be a little bit more careful, and so seeing someone and immediately thinking, oh, maybe I should cross the street to give them a wide berth. Um, that was a new thought. I didn't that that surprised me. I'm noticing that also socially when you go, you know, go to the grocery store and everywhere they've drawn these lines where, you know, 10 feet away from everyone and, you know, they're starting to structure things like that around that. And it's a double-edged sword. I think that it's it's necessary and definitely important to make sure that you're not contaminating other people. I 100% agree with that. But it's also interesting in the sense that it's it's social distancing. It's just an interesting thing that I've never really personally witnessed or had to had to be a part of and it's it's just interesting it's it's like a disconnection everyone's everyone's stopping and nobody wants to get too close and there's less eye contact it's it's very you know independent everything is extremely you know cut off from other people's actions it's 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 really interesting but i i don't for a second think that I think the most important part is to remember that those people could be doing it out of respect of contaminating you and it could be something that you know, that's, that's the most important part. It's, you can't take it personally or think that, you know, that, oh, it's, 
people aren't caring or they're not trying, you know, it's like, in, in fact, it is them caring. It's trying to not contaminate other people, which is the only way that this thing is going to die off. Right. And you made an interesting observation about the eye contact, because I noticed that early on, even though people were doing the social distancing, I thought that it would, they'd be willing to make eye contact, some, some form of human contact, right? And oh, yet, no. And yet, no, people are not even making, it's like, I can't catch the virus through eye contact. You know, that's that's the interesting part of that is that like giving the physical space is one thing, but the conversation, the eye contact, the just acknowledgement, you know, the the that part of it is like really interesting to me. That's that's part of the social observation that I find, you know. But that's that's what I mean though is like it can be discouraging because you can feel like people are being shut off and being really you know. But at the same time, it's you don't know what someone's personal process is with this and how they're psychologically dealing with it or what the, what their reality is so it's like important to just try to be as compassionate as possible about it and just you know just absolutely your, you know try not to try not to take it too personally which is really hard right now because it is <laughs> sitting in a, sitting around by yourself you know a lot of a lot of time to stir up all this and yeah it's hard not to take things personally right now it is it is you know and i think that in, in when for me anyway i'm always reminded that when I encounter someone, it's pretty much of a, a, especially people I don't know, right? I don't know anything about them. I don't know their story. I don't know why they're doing what they're doing. And in a sense, they're a, they're a, they're a, they're a whiteboard for me to project anything onto them. If I have an insecurity or if I, oh, are they not looking at me because there's something wrong with me or I'm ugly or I'm, you know, whatever. Um, and realizing that it's not, it's not about them it's not it's a you know so so they're doing what they're doing because of whatever reason and it's not me to project my own stuff onto them i think i think that's that's also another thing that we do on a daily basis regardless of the current situation i just think right now it's hyper focused because because of the the you know the obvious but you know right i mean we do that all the time anyway but right now the lack of eye contact and those little subtle things that, you know, might not seem like a big deal, but they really affect you psychologically. They allow you to, like you said, kind of project, you know, onto a whiteboard, what, what you think you're seeing or what you want to see or what you don't want to see, you know, it's just, we interpret it the way that we want to or whatever. And so it could be an opportunity. And I just thought of this, you know, that that in itself can be an opportunity. If, if, if I am, um, aware and conscious that I'm doing that, then I can take that experience, maybe at a later date, take a look at it, you know, and do a little introspection and and self-reflection as to maybe how I project things onto people that probably don't exist and sort of begin to begin to own that for myself and get and maybe hopefully get past some of it because it is it's a it's heightened. You're right. It's like I would never think some of these things. I wouldn't say never, but rarely. Um, but when I, and when I do, it wasn't that it pronounced, but now it is. So uh, yeah, I think that's a good observation, Francis. Very good. And there's, and there's also just so much um, quiet time right now to where like our minds, you know, if that were to happen any other day where you're just going to the store, getting something and running, you wouldn't even notice it because you're so caught up in what you're doing and stuff like that. But right now, there's so much free space and time and, and everything is just open. So you just notice things that much more and then you have time to actually, you know, chase the tail of it. And so it just gets right. Really, no, which I, is 
dangerous because a lot of people, you know, most of us do that. We project onto other people. That's, you know, that's a pretty common uh, trait that a lot of that a lot of people do. But it's like right now, it's like really important that you don't get caught up in that because that shit will drive you crazy. Yeah, no. can't do that. No, no, no. Well, that was a great observation. I'm glad that we could we could talk about that a little bit. That was good. Yeah. That was good. Um, have you? Because I know that you are into music. Have you been able to spend any time with that? It's interesting you say that because your daughter and I were just the other night talking about, um, we were standing in the kitchen and she was saying how she hasn't really felt like sewing anything right now. She's, you know, the the, the things that you love to do, like in your free time, you know, um, you can't force when that's going to, you know, when you're going to feel like doing it, you know, so it's another thing about right now in this time where we have so much time on our hands, we start, you know, getting out our, our list of, you know, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to clean the garage and then I'm going to go on a 20 mile ride. And then I'm going to, you know, make dinner and you, you start (laughs) thinking of all these things you want to do. But the one thing you can't force is inspiration. You can't decide when something's a good idea to right. So for me, like, yes, I love writing. I love, you know, making music, stuff like that. But to be honest, I haven't in the last week, I think I'm still processing everything and I, I haven't mm. felt inspired to do any of that. So that's, it's hard because you start to get down on yourself if you haven't done those things. But the reality of it is it's just not something that you can force, you know, it's when it comes, it comes. And, you know, if you're paying attention when it comes, then it's a good idea to try to harness it and, and ride that wave. But, you know, if you're not feeling it, then you're not feeling it. There's no point in beating yourself up over that. Yeah. You can't force it. No, I, I totally yeah. understand that. So I've been I've been reading a little bit more and I've been yeah definitely always listening to music and right now if I'm not feeling super jazzed to like sit down and write a song I just start filling my life with things that are inspirational you know mm-hmm. read poetry and and just different stuff like that and then hopefully when that you know when you put the book down and you're like oh man I'm feeling you know you're feeling like it then you get out you know then you start doing what sure what, you got to have that inspiration in order to do that so what are you what are you reading. Just I love Leonard Cohen's short poems. Um, there's another author, Christopher Moore, who's kind of like a Tom Robbins type mm. steel. It, oh, I love all, Tom Robbins. It's all fantasy, kind of you know, just sure. like really, really cool, funny, tragic shit going on. It's it's really cool. And then I always just go to the the classics, you know, the Kerouac and all the all the stuff that everybody loves. <laughs> right, games. right. Uh, and you got you got a few books, so you got some material to work with. Oh, definitely. And it's really cool because um, one of the things that Madrone did the other day was she took out – we had all of our books inside the bookshelf that where you couldn't see them. You had to open the doors to have access to them. Okay. And she went in there and took them all out and put them all along you know, the actual – the outside of the bookshelf. So it's funny how visually when something's right there in front of you, it's so much more inviting than – you know, it could literally be in the same exact location. But if you can't see it, you don't – you don't feel, you know, you don't feel its presence. So right. doesn't <laughs> call a, to you. Yeah. Exactly. So right now I'm like sitting on the couch and I look up and I see, you know. Here's a book. Yeah. The Art of War. And I'm all like, ooh, I haven't written that. I haven't, you know, read that in a while. It's, yeah. Uh, Sun Tzu. That's yeah, a classic. Just busting out little books. I, I have a short attention span. So, you know, 20 pages into a book, I start to get a little antsy. So it's nice to have, you know, not necessarily coffee book tables, but books that you can just bust open to page 75 and read, you mm-hmm. know, 
chapter and then you're like, okay, put it down and, and take away what you take and, you know. Come back to it some other time. Exactly. So how's, um, so you got a little dog called, named Henry? <laughs> yep. How is, how is Henry adapting to having you guys around all the time? Um, he's doing really well. He's extremely intelligent and he's, he's a little lover and he's, he's, we were just saying a few minutes ago how he's trying really hard. You can, you can tell that he's trying to communicate with us and let us know that, that he's, he's trying to be a good, you know, a good roommate. So Aww, it's, it's really cool. Great. But yeah, he's really smart and he, yeah, he's everything we could ask for. That's awesome. There was uh, it's, it's funny that you guys, um, uh, basically got a rescue dog there was uh, i was watching a, an interview this morning um there's a, a woman who runs shelters for animals and during this whole epidemic pandemic thing they've shut down all their shelters and they had a they put a call out for people to come down and um adopt you know a cat it wasn't it was more of a foster program so it wasn't like you don't you're not having to make a well, I know, I know what you're referring to. Yeah, and they said that they they were able to t- find homes for all their cats in like one day, um, but there was a, it was a big deal that um, they needed to shut these places down. And you got you got Henry probably a month before all this hit, right? So today is actually his uh, four month, <laughs> or is that three months? So all January, February, March. Yeah, so three. We've had him for literally three months today. Wow, today. I think, isn't that right? January, all of January, all of February, all of March. Today's April 1st, right? Today's April Fool's Day. Hello. <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm, I'm too, who, you know, who's even thinking about doing a prank today? I'm not. I mean, maybe we should. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like people have had enough time on their hands to probably come up with some pretty epic pranks if they really wanted to execute. <laughs> <laughs> you could really, you could really fuck someone up and put a bucket of bucket of confetti over the door if you wanted to, you know. <laughs> yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. It's one of those. I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those traditions where it's 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 being modified as we speak. Yeah, but it's it's funny. Like my sense of humor has changed a little bit, and, and having not to keep going back to the conversation of being you know so isolated right now but what it does to your sense of humor and your subconscious and all of the things that you just kind of like you don't really think about like that surface but um but yeah lately i've just been like laughing at things a little differently and just my amusement is on a different on a different channel right now and even my dreams are a little bit more vivid and you know i've been getting up for the last Two and a half years, I've been getting up at 5.30 a.m. to go, you know, to work at the right. restaurant worked at serving brunch. So all of a sudden, I don't have to, you know, not only do I not have to get up that early, like, I'm not doing doubles anymore. I'm, I'm like, my schedule has gone completely, as as in everyone's has. But, you know, it's it's really interesting The my sleep patterns have changed and, you know, my sense of humor has become a little bit more, you know, it's it's not manic. It's just... It's just changed a little bit, you know. <laughs> sure. Well, I, I have a feeling. You know, I, I think I think human beings have natural wake and sleep cycles, mm-hmm. and that our culture creates an artificial wake and sleep cycle based on employment. Yeah. And it, this is a time period where if you just you know if you don't pay attention to alarm clocks and that sort of thing and allow yourself to just find your natural rhythm, you'll you'll get there. You yeah, know? I'm just worried about when, you know. When it all comes back? 
Yeah, I was gonna say when you go back <laughs> adjusting back to the yeah the strictness. There's no point in dwelling on that. I'm just you know I'm like you said. I'm just enjoying waking up more naturally and yeah, that's, that's good. Again, that's another that's another silver lining in this situation. Is sure. you know yeah. Plus you know I mean I I have a few friends who immediately. They slept like you know ten hours, and it, it, they they didn't realize that they were in such sleep deprivation. Yeah, because your body won't won't let you. You know, it's right. survival. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, so you get to catch up on your sleep. You get to decompress. You I know. think I've put on maybe five five pounds. I've been I've been eating home cooked food two or three times a day. And yeah, <laughs> and you guys have good food there too. I mean, oh, between right. the two of you. Oh, uh, it's yeah, it's pretty wonderful. So th- those are the things right now that I'm that I'm grateful for my family's safe and you know, I've yes. got, I've got food in my refrigerator and someone that cares about me here with me to ride this thing out with me. And yep. that's, you know, only things you can do right now is just try to try to focus on the positive. That's it. That's Stay it. Informed. You know, yeah. there was a, there was a point, was it yesterday, yesterday morning? It just finally got to me, you know, and I was, I was listening to a doctor talk in New York city, talk about, the con- her working conditions, and I just broke down. You know, I had, my body, my my emotions had just had enough. You know, I can stay pretty cool and calm um, up to a point, and then all the feelings just came over me like a wave. And um, but it was good. It felt like a it felt like a wonderful cleansing release of emotion. Um, and then once I got it out of my system, then I was able to. You know, put it all back together, and but I think that's I think that's, I that's healthy. That's listening to your your you know emotions and things are you know and and everyone none of us have been in this situation before where we've been off of work or any other responsibilities for weeks. You know, it. Some people it probably hit them day three. You know, some right. people they may never process it. Some people you know it's hitting them right now and stuff like that. And I definitely empathize with what you're saying because. I had a couple of days ago where I woke up and I just felt like restless is an understatement. I just felt, you know, it was, it was hitting me. It was all coming to a head. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow. I was like, man, I don't know. I was feeling everything. I was feeling excited. I was feeling sad. I was feeling, you know, all of the emotions and it was just, you know, weeks of weeks of this caught up in the reality setting in and, and stuff like that. And, you know, it's going to hit everybody at different times. So and in different ways. Yeah. But it's not it's not something to be afraid of or nope. I don't think it's something to look down on. I think it's something that you should embrace and right. just understand that, you know, it's not it's not all fear, you know. No, I agree. I agree. And it's not something to try to resist either. If if a person feels it coming on, it's like just let it happen. Yeah. That's really hard for a lot of people. Vulnerability is, you know True. One of the things that a lot of people they do not like being there, you know, it's very uncomfortable. But it's 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 part of the human process. Yeah. Yeah. And if someone can do it, you know, I found that when I first started working through some of my um, personal history in the family growing up with my mom and my dad and all that stuff, it was um, I don't know that I could have done it by myself. I really don't think I could. You know, I, 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 I had a team of people and then I had a personal counselor to help me through some of these things. Um, you couldn't have done it on your own. Couldn't have done it <laughs> no. on my own. Uh. Uh-uh. But you, you know, um, but I don't think anyone can do it on on their own. You know, that's you need. Yeah, you need 
stimulation and friction and, and people that welcome you, you need all of those, all of those things in order to, to process it. You know, that's, that's if you're just on your own, then, you know, what's the point? It's hard. Yeah. That's why, you know, I'm glad we have this ability to connect with each other. Yeah, this is great. You know, just, just seeing you makes my eyes kind of water up a little bit (laughs) out of happiness, you know, I'm over here. I'm over on the other side of town and, we're still we're still here. No, well, you may be on the other side of town, but right now you're on my computer. Yeah. So you might as well just be right here. And you know, the inside of the room you're in is the same color as the inside of the room I'm in. I even think we have the same door. Let me look around here for a second. That's a little different. You got a better door than me. It has your door has more character. And it's def- it's definitely a lot cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So what are you going to do with the rest of your day? So my friend Sean um, is a, a cyclist. He teaches spin classes at a spot that just opened up. But he um, obviously now you know has a lot of time to get out on the bike trail. So he's going to come by around 5 o'clock, and we're going to head out and go on a, on a little ride together before the sun goes down. Nice. Do that, and been trying to do that a lot. And uh, just taking care of all my paperwork, my you know unemployment, all that stuff, and just trying to trying to stay busy right i'm wondering when you know they just they passed that two trillion dollar stimulus bill i don't know a few days ago last week maybe i can't remember and i'm just wondering you know how how soon it's going to actually get to people because you'll be getting some relief that way too yeah a a lot of people will i think that's you know yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i was thinking this is like for everyone it's like it's like retirement on steroids you know, because in retirement, I mean, I um, it took me a while to adjust to not going to work and being home all the time, but I could still go out, you know, and, and interact with people and be social. Um, now I get the not going into work, but now there's no social either. And uh, uh, I, I discovered that it was important for me to begin to create a brand new structure for my days. So if I didn't do it, um, time would just get out, just get away from me, you know? So now I, you know, I'm working on my podcast and I've got set times for that and I'm got interviews and I have scheduled times for that. And I try to, I, I reset my alarms so that I get up, but, you know, try to build more structure in my days. And that seems to, it seems to really help for me. That's really important to do also, you know, as, as, the other side of the coin, what we were talking about earlier, being able to wake up at a more natural, you know, without without all of those alarms going off. But the other side of that is that, you know, it is important to have structure every day. It is important to get up and, you know, take a shower and, and, and have a, a schedule, you know, a ritual, if you will, because you need that. You know, that'll that'll help keep a lot of people, you know. Yeah. And you don't have to do it right away. Spend, you know, take some days. Yeah, exactly. Take some days to just, re, you know, relax and sleep and... de-stress and you can build structure back in later which is what i did i took a few days to do that you know but it is it is surreal to walk out your door and you know have empty streets where there's normally you know tons of people walking around and yeah yeah it's interesting we're living in a in a crazy time right now yeah yeah you know i was talking to a good friend of mine yesterday and um i began to talk about the after I gave a name to the time when we're done with this. I'm calling it the after and think <laughs> and thinking about 
what it's going to be like. You know, I talk about I, I started talking about embracing the after. That are we going to take the lessons that we're learning right now and carry them with us into the after? So, and instead of trying to go back to some of our old ways of relating, um, that I don't think we can actually. You know, spending time with each other, and are we going to? You know, are we going? Is hugging coming back, or is hugging something that is going to go away for a while? You know, the yeah. so, social distancing. They started doing that uh, back in the 1918 during the Spanish flu. But that was, you know, over 100 years ago. And um, in our life, you know, this whole social distancing. This is new for everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. How old you are right now? Like this is yeah, it's new for everybody. Everybody. Yeah, and they just. Uh, you know, we'll have to just figure it out. As I, we think go. That, I think that certain industries, like food service industries, and you know, um, a lot of hospitality, because they are literally hands-on. Um, I think those industries are obviously going to be the most impacted, and I mean, like, not just immediately, but hopefully, you know, my take on it is that I hope people have a little bit more appreciation for the convenience and the ability to just go out and have dinner and, you know, do things like that. Like, I feel like it's become so common and, and so like frequent for people to just go out and eat all the time. And, you know, it's as aside from the, the, you know, the cross contamination aspect of it, it's, it's just something that, you know, I feel like it's a special occasion kind of thing, you know, if yeah. going out and doing that, like is something that you should have gratitude and appreciate and, you know, not just be some, daily you know thing that you do so ho hopefully people will you know once once they have access to you know going to restaurants and stuff like that they'll they'll view that a little differently i hope but yeah. at the same time you need all of those industries to to thrive once we get out of this we you know those are tens of thousands of jobs you know if absolutely all of a sudden people are still extremely cautious about going out to eat and all of a sudden you know restaurants are doing 20 covers a night instead of 200 covers a night you know it's going to be Radical difference. Yeah. So I, I definitely think that there are going to be more long-term things from this. I, I don't think that the social distancing, I, th I think once people are, once we're back to, you know, the, the norm, I think, I think that the hugs and I think all that stuff will come back around. I hope so anyway. I do too. I want to live a, a, a life where people, you know, feel completely threatened or disconnected from other people. That just seems right. It seems like living a living a life in fear versus you know just being informed and educated and using some common sense. You know, mm -hmm. no, I agree, I agree. So it's going to be, it will be interesting to see you know just the social aspects. If I was a if I was a sociologist right now, I'd be loving it in a way, you know, just to see the the changes in how society how we're relating to each other and then watch the the emergence as we start coming back out of our homes as as you know restaurants start opening back up and are people going to go to movie theaters i don't know um yeah you know all that and it, it's just going to just to see how that's going to unfold and change um i think it's going to be exciting yeah my, my fear is that and not to stay on this conversation but my fear is that it's going to get lifted and all of a sudden these restaurants are open and everyone can go back to bars and, you know, all this stuff. And then it's not going to be completely over yet. And then it's just going to keep resurfacing. And then, you know, that's, I think that's like the biggest thing is that in order for this thing to really 
die out, we need to make sure that it's a hundred percent, you know, we can't just all of a sudden go back to doing stuff because we think it's gone. And then, you know, right. Well, it's not going to be gone. So the, what they're saying basically is that we really can't get back to any, any sense of normalcy, whatever that's going to look like until there's a vaccine, because until people develop some type of immunity to it, it's just going to be lurking and waiting and that is, it's one of the one of the concerns is that um, the flu, the the flu, the uh, coronavirus will will diminish during the summertime, and then people might get lulled into a false sense of security, and then it'll come back in the fall and winter, and just we'll have another we'll have another uh, peak of of cases. But uh, Dr. Fauci was saying that if that does occur, then because of all the lessons we're learning now. And hopefully throughout the summer months, we'll be able to ramp up all the equipment that we need. That if it does happen, we'll, the country and hopefully the whole world will be in a better position to um, take measures to combat this thing. Even so, though we've been nice weather and, you know, in the, in the wintertime right now, it's uh, you think it's bad right now. Imagine when it's 85 degrees outside and, you know, yeah. <laughs> try to keep people from congregating, you know, when it's, when it gets super nice out and, you know, everybody wants to go out, not to mention they've been on lockdown for the last three months. Right. You know, it's just it's going to be hard, really hard. So we'll see. I mean, there's, there's a lot of unknowns and, um, yeah, we just don't know, you know, and I think that's one of the hard parts of it is we all, everyone likes to know people don't like being in a state of unknowing. Um, but that's where we are. So to have to, take it as it as it comes to us yeah i think the only thing right now that you can do is is try to stay healthy physically and spiritually whatever that is you know and stay informed you know whatever source you choose to subscribe to whether it's you know right whatever it it is you know whatever whatever helps you feel informed you know pay attention and just do what you can to keep yourself quarantined because that's that's what it is is it's not it's not you know i'm a healthy young adult like i might not die from it but you know if i go out and touch something and then some 75 year old guy comes along and touches it or i mean whatever that's a stupid example but no it's a great example it's more susceptible to it you know if all of a sudden i get them sick and then you know it has nothing to do with me getting sick it's getting other people sick absolutely absolutely you know they were saying that you uh, an individual if you have the virus on the average, you'll infect two to three people. Wow. Right? And then that, then those two to three people will infect two to three people. That's how oh, that's it grows good. exponentially, right? Yeah. Um, and so even if, you know, if you're infected, you know, people may come in contact with the virus through you, but they're all young people. And, but, but two or three tiers down the road, they may come in contact with someone that's vulnerable, whether they're, uh, an elder or whether they have a suppressed immune system or whether they've got some underlying physical condition that makes them vulnerable and they get extremely sick and, and possibly um, um, become a fatality. So, um, yeah, and that's part of it is part of you staying inside is protecting people like me. Exactly. Right? I so, think that's that's hard for a lot of people to... I don't necessarily think that it's hard to understand. I think that it's hard for a lot of people to practice that, you know, I think that's like, that's kind of where the like selflessness comes in. You know, it's not about you. It's about infecting other people. Right. And you know, that's funny that you say that because the name of the name of this special series I'm doing is, um, it's not about me. It's about us. 
and yeah, it is true. right. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think it is one of the reasons I think it's hard for people is because it's a bit abstract. You know, you you're doing something by doing nothing. Yeah. Which is almost but, Zen in a way, if you think about it. Yeah, but the problem is people aren't doing that. <laughs> well, not <laughs> enough people are doing it. But more and more people are waking up to the fact that, um, you know, we're not, no one's immune. It's like this is this non-discriminatory disease. You can be rich, you can be poor, you can be, you know, whatever. And it'll get you. Yeah. You know. Hey, do you mind, do you, can we, since this is just a recording, can we pause real quick? I got to use the restroom. We can. I'm going to push pause okay. right now. Right, hit that button. I'll be right back. Okay. So, um, just so our listeners know, we took a bit of a pause for a minute there. Now we're back. Um, so one of the things that uh, I found, what just the timing of this thing, um, you guys were planning, you and my daughter, were planning on getting married in May. May 18th, yeah. May 18th. And how, so how um, you want to talk about how this whole situation has affected you guys? Yeah. It seems pretty small in the big scheme of things um, and kind of egocentric to to think that, you know, that <laughs> I, I don't I don't really know how to explain it. All, all I know is that um, there are plans that we have been making for the last, you know, six months or so. And the reason that we can't get together, you know, is our families having a large group of people together, you know, to have the ceremony that we wanted to have Um can't happen right now but it sounds kind of corny but i just uh i don't really the um ceremony of getting married is kind of the last thing that's really it's not really that important to me i know i know that sounds weird but i just uh all of my feelings and intentions and everything towards towards madrone and towards anyone related to this all all that is still fully intact so i mean it's just at, at this point it's just you know it is what it is and and I love your daughter, and I'm not going anywhere. So if we get married, you know, in six months or six years, I, I, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter to me <laughs> that much. I, I hear what you're saying, and it, you're you're right. The feel the feelings are all the same. The feelings are the same. That's not going to change. But, um, and I know you guys worked really hard, especially Madrone worked really really hard in planning. Yes. Um, and yeah. Still, we still everything everything's going to be right where we left it. You know. So I mean we. We have the venue that we want to have it at. We got, you know, our very short guest list. You know, we have – everything is, is is dialed, ready to go. Once this thing passes and once we're back on track, then we'll, we'll pick it up right where it left. But so just, neither, one of, neither one of us feel devastated or gypped or, you know, there's oh, nothing good. about it that's that. You know, that's – Good. That would be extremely shallow to, to take it that to, to that level. But, well, yeah, I don't think either one of us feel that way. Good. Good. I know it'd be easy to it would be easy to feel you know uh, sadness and disappointment that it wasn't going to happen. Maybe a little disappointment, but you know that's there's there's a bigger picture here. So, there is you know. a bigger picture. There is yeah. a bigger picture. And if you know if keeping you and and you know my mom and and everybody is safe, you know that's old. That's so much more important. That's you know. There's, oh yeah. That's a- you know we got uh, Grandma Peggy is. Uh, She's kind of in lockdown situation too. Yeah, yeah. You know? I went to her last week, and and same same thing. She's no one in, no one out. No one in, no one out. Yeah. Which is it's it's just hard for you know, and we're not the only. 
people who are in those types of situations, even people who have loved ones that are in hospitals, they can't go see them. They can't be with them. I can't imagine. And, and even even bigger than that, imagine if you were in another country and it was, you know, one person had it and they were 20 years younger than you and you had the same thing and, and they're telling you, you got to go home because they can't, they don't have enough resources to help you in your situation. It's, it's really, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy right now. It is. And apparently what they're saying is going to get harder in the next couple of weeks. So probably this episode, pr- probably you're my ninth interview and I'm, I'm planning on doing two a week posting two a week. Um, so this will be a month and a, and a few days. So this, this is April 1. So this this probably won't even air until April, May. May, first week of May is when this will air. And it'll be a really interesting time because the world will have changed drastically in that week, especially here in the United States. Yeah. So. Yeah, very- Every 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 day is you know we're we're getting a little bit more into it. It's it's interesting, but I honestly think that without testing, without like you said, coming up with an antivirus or you know, I, I don't really know. I'm not that smart about that stuff. But I, I think that until they have those things in place, it's it's going to be really hard to understand what we're dealing with. You know? Yeah, it is. I was listening to um, uh, there's another podcast I listened to. It's called The Daily, and it comes from the New York Times, and they were interviewing. Um, uh, a doctor scientist who is working on a on a vaccine, and they actually started working on this vaccine in, in there in Germany. They started working on this vaccine back in January, I think, and they're they're now getting ready to do human trials. Um, they got some really positive results from trying to buy the the rights to is this? <laughs> well, this is the one that Trump tried to buy. Yeah. Okay, and, and then, he said that. The Chinese tried to buy them, too. The Chinese tried to buy them, too. And they're they're like, no. But anyway, what she was saying was that they got some really good results from the mice. Now they're going to start human trials. But it probably won't be ready until early next year. And even then, who can afford it? Well, you know, back when when, um, polio was ravaging the world, Jonas Salk came up with the vaccine, and he gave it away to the world. He just gave it away. Yeah, but that was then. This is, I mean, look at pharmaceutical companies and what what they're doing. They're already, you know. I know, but it's, it's it, ridiculous. So the, to think that because an antivirus becomes available, that everyone's going to have access to it. Not to be pessimistic, but you know. <laughs> well, I hope I hope that you know I hope that someone steps up and says this needs to be free. This needs to be well, free. Someone, yeah, there will be a lot of people saying that, but the the reality of situations. Look at you know, and not to get political or anything, but. A lot of things should be, but they're not, you know, so. Yeah. Well, we've got time. I, one of the things is one of the things that's happening with this, this crisis too, is it's, it's pulling the, pulling the curtain back on a lot of our social safety net inadequacies. You know, it's showing that the way we've structured healthcare um, in this country isn't functional during a pandemic. You know, they were, I was listening to Governor Cuomo in New York talking about trying to coordinate all the various hospitals in New York to take care of the amount of patients that they had. Some hospitals are getting to capacity and others don't have capacity and trying to shift patient care around so that 
No one hospital is overburdened. And because the hospitals are all privately owned, he said it's really difficult. If this was a normal time, it would not happen. No way would it happen. Um, and so by not having some form of public health care, um, we're, not, we're not really set up and prepared to deal with the amount of, of need that we're starting to see, and it's just going to get more and more and more. So um, hopefully this will begin dialogues as to do we need as a country to restructure how health care is provided, how medical care is provided, um, so that... Conversation. Yeah. I mean, is that not something that has been how 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 long has it been since we had public health care? Where you know, has this country ever had that? We had more public hospitals when I was growing up, um, and we have we have fewer of them now. Private hospitals, you know, as as market based health care became more and more dominant, um, we started losing public health care. Um, and there are there are a lot of activists that have been talking about it, a lot of smart people talking about it, but the people who actually can make that make it happen have not been talking about it. So my hope is that that changes. Here we launch into a huge discussion, which probably would deserve its own podcast of an hour or so to talk about health care and how it's provided in this country. Currently, we have a profit-based health care system. Um, And personally, uh, I am not for profit-based health care. Health care is not a a commodity uh, like other things, which can be bought and sold and made a profit off of. Uh, I believe that health care should be provided um, on a social level. We used to have a robust public health system in this country. It wasn't like a single-payer Medicare for all kind of thing, but it was paid for, uh, and it was uh, by the government, which means our taxes. And it was provided for people who didn't have the financial means to access the care that they that they needed. So I'm all for a single-payer system, a a system where everybody in, nobody out. Um, We have our choice of medical providers, but it is paid for from a single source. That's why it's called a single-payer, and that it would be the government uh, to be that that single-payer. A little bit of history, and I won't spend a lot of time on this, but... After World War II, the uh, Great Britain and the United States took very different approaches to health care. Uh, one of the things that was happening in the United States was that you know, a lot of GIs were coming back from overseas, and there were lots and lots of job opportunities. And at the time, there were some restrictions uh, as to how much uh, businesses could pay and just a lot of things in that regards. And so the major uh, draw was the providing of health care by an employer. And so we adopted an employer-based health care system, which I think as we are learning is not probably the best way to go 
especially during a crisis that we're in. If you lose your job, you lose your health care. Um, and if you've ever gone through this, you know there's an entity called COBRA. Uh, and if you want to pay into it, you can continue your health care after you lose your empl- employment. But if you've ever done it or looked into it, it is so extremely expensive, it's prohibitive. I, I honestly only know, I can remember one person that told me that they actually signed up for COBRA and um, and they couldn't stay on it for very long because it was so expensive. So employer-based health care isn't, in my mind, the best way to go. The uh, Great Britain, United Kingdom, decided to go with a government-sponsored health care system. Um, and not only is it paid for by the government, which is our taxes, but the health providers are paid for by the government, which is a little bit different than how I would envision a single-payer system where you can choose your medical provider, but the expenses are paid by by the government through our taxes so that everyone carries the burden and everyone has access to the kind of health care that they need. So that's my little soapbox on health care provision in this country. And we'll see what happens uh, as the day, days go forward. Just that it has to change. We, 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 this, this will not be the last pandemic we see. It may be yeah. like 25, 50 years before another one comes down the road. I think it'll be sooner than that. But it's going to come. We are going to have another one. Um, and this is the time where we can take stock of where things went wrong and then try to make changes where we need to so that the next time it's not so bad. But we'll see. I really wish I applaud your hopeful you know, attitude, and I, I definitely share that. I just, It's really hard to understand like how that would be applied when the people that are calling the shots or, you know, if they're not making money off it, then it's not going to happen. So it's, it becomes very, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's disheartening. Yeah, no, I hear you. You're right. If that's, if that is, if, if access to the vaccine is profit-based, um, it's, it's going to, that's going to be more difficult, I think. I mean, it's already that way with, you know, Alzheimer's, you know, with any, any, anyone who needs medication for mental illnesses, you know, if they can't afford, if they don't have health insurance or if they cannot afford the drugs, then they don't have access to them. I mean, isn't that one of the, that feels like one of the biggest problems with homelessness that I see in Sacramento. While I don't know everyone's situation, I have to assume that a large portion of those people are mentally ill. And if they had access to you know, medication and therapy and things like that, then they might not be there. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Ned, we made some, this country made some major decisions in this state specifically back in the 60s and early 70s in regards to mental health care and mental hospitals, and, and it resulted in a lot of homelessness. Back when I was working uh, in the field of... Uh, disability rights. Mental health in California was a big deal. It was a big topic of conversation. And basically, it went something like this. Um, Back in the 60s, mental health institutions were poorly run. 
They were a, a disgrace to the state and to the nation. And there were a lot of advocates that worked to get them closed or to begin the process of closing. And what the state promised to do was to go ahead and close the state hospitals, but at the same time fund community clinics so that people who needed the health care were able to get were able to get it. And so the first half happened. The state hospitals be closed and began closing. But the mental health care clinics that were locally based did not appear. And so the people, many of them, who left those mental institutions did not continue receiving what they needed in order to... Um, be uh, an active participant in society, in our communities. And because of that, they ended up living on the street. Thus began the mental health crisis of our homeless, homeless population. And that's the state we're in right now. We're still not providing the type of medical mental health care that is needed for people to successfully live independently in the community. Uh, it's something that we need to work for. We need to strive for. We need to reevaluate what are our priorities. You know, I often look at California. We have such a huge economy. Some say the sixth largest economy in the world. I know that recently Governor Newsom referred to California as a nation state. And yet we have this great domestic product. And yet we have a very difficult state budget. So something has disconnected. I don't know whether the state is recovering the revenue that it could um, in order to provide what we need. But uh, a time like we're going through right now is an opportunity to reevaluate where our financial priorities are as a state. So let's hope for a brighter future, if not sooner than at least later. So you're right, and I, I, I just hope, and it's hope. I don't have any. Hope is good. I'm just I, hanging my hat on a peg. I totally, you got to have hope. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. You know, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it's a dark conversation. You know, it's oh my god. Yeah, we got a little dark there, but you know, sometimes reality is dark. Yeah, no, I, that that's it, and you can't hide from that. You can't yeah. hide from it. You know, and I, and it, and at this point, there aren't a lot of people that are actually talking about it. Um, they they will when the when they the will though. You know, when it's when it's there, and all of a sudden people are like, "Oh, great, we're going to start getting tested." Then and like, nope, you can't afford it, and we don't have the supplies. There's going to be a laundry list of reasons as to why people can't have access to it, and it's yeah. it's it's going it's ridiculous, man. There's, I feel like other countries who are have way less than we do have found a way to <laughs> allow, you know, their citizens, you know, healthcare. Yeah, exactly. I, know. I mean, I we're supposed to be this great country with all of these benefits and stuff. And yeah, don't get me wrong. I, every day I'm grateful for things that I have, but man, it would be really cool if we took care of each other. Wouldn't that be cool? It seems like that would, it, 
to me, it seems like that would be just human nature to want to take care of each other. You know, that's that's the that's the hypocrisy of it. That's the, that's the hard. You know, that's yeah. what's so hard to understand is like that's the way it's supposed to be. Yet we're not doing it. It don't make dollars. It don't make sense. I know. I know. There was there. You know, there were some articles that came out earlier on that there were a lot of I think Hollywood stars and you know richer people who got tested. It had no symptoms at all. There was no, you know, they're saying, well, we can't test you unless you have symptoms. But all these people were getting tested. And it was like, so if you have, if you have money, if you are a celebrity, um, if you are an NBA basketball player. Exactly. Then you have access to these tests that the general population don't have access to and how, how just wrong that is. Yeah. You know, so that, that that's out there in the, in the consciousness um, of of our you know country and hopefully as we get closer to the vaccine people will start talking about how people can have access to it because it's going to make the difference you know for a lot of people now some people you know they don't even know if you if you catch it and you get sick or even if you catch it and you don't get sick but eventually if you build up the antibodies to it they don't even know whether the people are immune there are some there are some cases where people have caught it, got better, and then caught it again, and they don't know whether it's something that you can't develop immunity for, or whether they weren't completely well to begin with, or we or what you know. And how to uh, yeah, I mean how to define it or attack so it. So no one or... really knows. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it's wild, man. What's going on with you? What's uh obviously your your stand up on this? Have you been reading or? So I'm reading. I've been reading a little book. I'm, I'm on the last chapter now. It's it's um, how how the Irish saved civilization. It's very interesting because it goes back into uh, um, how Saint Patrick, you know, uh, went back to Ireland and brought Catholicism with him, and really revolutionized life in Ireland. And because Ireland was so separated from the European continent. When Rome fell and Western civilization sort of took a nosedive, it didn't really affect Ireland. And that eventually, after a couple hundred years, Ireland started making its way back into Europe. And with it, it brought books, it brought learning, it brought, it brought you know, language and writing and just re, sort of rehabilitated Europe. So it's really interesting to see how Western culture was sort of... Um, kept safe in Ireland for hundreds of years and then made a reappearance back into Europe. And had that not happened, we would have probably lost all of the uh, Roman and Greek classics. Uh, wow. And that, and that whole history would have just disappeared. Real interesting. That's, that's, really, that's a really interesting perspective. I, I never thought about that. That book must be, sounds really intriguing. It was. It's not very long. It's pretty short. And it's really interesting. Really interesting. Might have to take that one, take that one off your hands. Give Eventually, it a read. we'll have to disinfect it though. <laughs> <laughs> too soon, too soon, too soon. Yeah, too soon. Uh, man. So, yeah, so I'm doing that, and um, you know, this podcast keeps me busy. I'm learning things all the time. Um, using you, when I record by myself, it's a nice, clean recording. When I'm using Skype. Um, it's got a little background noise. The audio is not exactly where I want it to be, so there's a lot more post-production work. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I enjoy it because I listen to the interview over and over and over. And it's like having that person in in my room with me, yeah. you know, listening to it over. And I just, it takes me right back to the original interview and I'm reliving it. And it's such an, uh, an enjoyment, that process. So, uh, and sometimes I, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about how I can make the podcast better, you know, or what I can do or. That's that fire. That's that, you know, that drive to, to do something. It's, I remember having that. It's, it's something that, you know, whether you were a kid and you were, you know, waking up thinking about how you were going to, you know, try a new trick or do something or, you know, it's that, it's that childlike mentality where it's like, you know, you want to do something and it's, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just like a, a desire to like push forward and yep. do something. It's really cool, man. That's, that doesn't fade with age. It's just a lot of times people lose, they lose sight of it, but you know, it's always, it's always laying there. Well, that's right. That's right. And yeah. it took me two years after retirement to find it. I don't know if I found it or it found me. I'm not quite sure. (laughs) You know? I'm really happy for you, man. It's cool because even though we haven't known each other that long, you know, I I feel like once you did discover this voice and this ability to record and, you know, um, make, you know, chronicles of of your life and stuff like that, I think it's really cool. Is That's awesome, man. I'm really happy for you. Well, thank you. I'm happy to share it with people. Not yet, me. I'm happy to share myself, my life with people. And you know, kind of open up about a lot of the things I talk about, I would never talk about in a normal conversation. No way. Well, how would, it, how would that come up in a normal conversation? Not, not easily. Yeah. The ability to just sit and reminisce with my own memories is it's kind of fun, you know? And, well, and, to, and to know that I'm sharing, it with, sharing myself with people. Yeah, and it's the same as music. It's something that, you know, it's recorded. It's a hundred years from now or, you know, whenever you can go back and look at it. It's, sure. It's there, you know? And had I not, had I not started all that, I wouldn't be able to do this quite as yep. well, quite as well, you know, and now I'm sharing my, my life and my friends with my friends, which I well, think is cool. Be a part of it. Yeah. I'm so happy that you volunteered. Not, you didn't actually volunteer, but you agreed to it. Oh, I volunteered. Yeah. I guess I, you did actually. Yeah, I did. As if you ever, you know, you ever need needed someone to to you know to talk to i'm here okay yeah and i appreciate it and i'm looking at uh the amount of time we've been recording here we only have a few more minutes um before we're we're hit we're at our hour and um the way i'm doing it now by purchasing wi-fi time we'll be hitting up bumping up against the end here so right on well i've had a really good time talking with you and i hope it's been you know informative and yeah well it's been awesome yeah learning a little bit more about you and vice versa and just getting a chance to reconnect after not seeing each other for a while yeah texting is fun but it's not it doesn't do it i like seeing the face behind the voice me too and at some point we'll get uh, we'll get madrone on camera i won't record anything we won't do anything but just to see her and chat with her will be nice are you there are, you, are we gone? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. We got, we got cut out. 
Yeah, what happened was that we ran out of our we ran up our time. I heard a little beep, and I thought, huh, I don't know what that is. So we're done. Yeah. We're done. Okay. But I wanted to log back in so that I could say goodbye. Thank you. You're yeah. welcome. And tell you I love you. I love you, too. And feel free to edit, you know, do whatever whatever it is. I know I dropped a couple of F-bombs, and, you know, I'm, I'm um, just... I can deal with that. Pretend we're having coffee with you, so I hope... <laughs> no, that's fine. I can deal with that. I know how to bleep. We'll just bleep you. <laughs> All right, Francis. All right, my man. I love you. Take care. Be safe. Um, let us know if there's anything you need when we're here. I sure will. I sure will. You have a wonderful bike ride this afternoon. I will. Okay. Give my love to my... I have to ask you to give my love to my daughter. That's so funny. But anyway. Oh, I'll pass it along. Okay. I'm, I'm going to see her in a minute. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. All right. We'll talk okay. with you later. Okay, take care. Okay, bye-bye. My Life and Welcome to It is written and produced by me, Chris Jensen. Technical consultant is David Patterson of Drowning Man Productions. You can catch David on the podcast Wasting All the Time, where he, with three others, will entertain you with their improvisational comedy. Podcast art provided by Dave Edwards. You can follow Dave on Instagram at EvilDaveTM. Music for My Life and Welcome to It is Night by Ixon. That's I-K-S-O-N. And is available on SoundCloud. More information can be found in the program notes. Thanks always to Anchor for providing free hosting. You can visit their website at anchor.fm. Well, that's all for now. Be safe, be well, and God bless. (laughs) 